But let me begin by, by reading the passage we're going to study this morning, John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen of my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And they answered, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to him, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works that Abraham did. But now you're seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me pray. Father, I thank you again for the privilege that we have to spend this time diving in your word. Thank you for the things that you continue to teach me. And Father, I pray for your blessing in our time and our discussion now. I pray that your spirit would speak through me and in spite of me. Father, help us to see and understand and apply the principles you want us to hear from, not from the man, but from your word through a man. Father, I pray for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. About 20 years ago, there were a couple of movies that came out that, uh, that on the one hand were very different. They were huge successes at the time. And while they were very different, at the core, they had a very similar message. The first movie was, uh, was called The Truman Show. It was, came out in 1998. It was about a man named Truman, Truman uh, Burbank. And he is the unsuspecting star of The Truman Show, the ultimate reality TV shows. Now, Truman in the story was adopted as a baby by this corporation who then put him into this movie studio and his whole life was literally lived out as a reality TV show. Everyone else in the show is an actor. Everyone else is playing out their lines. And the whole show is about him in this make-believe world living out what he thinks is real, his real emotions, his real reactions. And um, in fact, even in the movie, that's one of the, I, one of the key quotes is that they asked the director, you know, how is it that you can keep him living in this make-believe world and, and him not know that it's make-believe? And, and the director said this in, in the midst of that. He said, we accept the reality of the world which we're presented. It's as simple as that. And it's a statement of saying, is that true of all of us? You know, do we, do we sometimes live in a world that we're presented and that we think is real but may not be real? In the movie, Truman begins to figure out something's wrong. People pose as actors and slip in and give him notes to tell him that it's all fake and that he needs to escape. And, and he's, he's ultimately given this choice. You know, here he has this ideal world that, that everything's good, but he really doesn't have freedom. He thinks he has freedom, but he really doesn't because everything else is scripted. And should he live in that world and, and the ideal make-believe, or should he escape and try to find real freedom. And in the movie, he, he ultimately then tries to escape. He escapes. Now, the second movie came out a year later. It seems, on the one hand, it's a movie that would seem to be very, very different, where The Truman Show was a comedy. The second movie, The Matrix, was a, a sci-fi dystopian movie about this dystopian future where all humanity is unknowingly trapped inside this simulated reality, The Matrix, created by computers who have taken over the world. And these computers created the matrix, this artificial world where, where humans are living in, in virtual reality, 
distracting humans while they're using their bodies as energy sources. And so the movie is about this one person, this computer programmer who goes by the name Nero, or Neo, and he uncovers the truth, and then and the question is, what is he gonna do? And again, he's even offered this chance to stay there and to be given this ideal life, or will he try to lead this rebellion against the machines? He, he thinks he has freedom, that's the world they always thought, but in reality, he didn't, and how is he going to respond? Now, you might be thinking, what in the world do these movies have in common, let alone what do they have to do with the passage we're looking at this morning? And, um, well, you know, they do have something in common. The main characters, Truman and Neo, are living in a world where they think they are free, but they're not. They're living in a world where it's an illusion, where things are in reality controlled, where their perception of reality is just an illusion. Now look at the verse that we started at this morning in John chapter 8, verse 31. Look at what Jesus said. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now he's saying if we follow him, we'll know the truth, the truth will set us free, and implied clearly in that statement is that part of what that truth is is it reveals the fact that we're not free that we need to be set free. We're in bondage and we need to be set free. And even then, if we look at the passage, the people listening to Jesus pick this up right away and look at their initial response in verse 33. They say, we are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Basically, they're saying, we don't need to be set free. You know, no, in our reality, we have freedom. Now, here's just what has to do with the Matrix or with the Truman Show. Jesus is saying that that in a sense, we're like Truman Burbank or, Burbank, or we're like Neo, who we think that we live in a world that we're free. We think we understand the world, but the truth is we're not free. And we need to see the truth. We, in a sense, need to take the right pill and suddenly we will see that we're not free. And only if we discover that we're not free will we discover true freedom. No, we're not part of a reality TV show. We're not part of this, uh, you know, plugged into a computer, but there's a very real way that what Jesus is saying, that apart from a relationship with Jesus, we live in a world that we do not understand. We live in a world where, where we're deceived, where, where freedom is just an illusion. Now, it seem, might seem like a strange introduction, but stick with me, and, and hopefully as we dig into this, it will make a little bit more sense, not only what Jesus is seeing, teaching, but what we should do about it. Now, the big picture, just start an overview, is really this question of what is truth and how does it bring freedom? If Jesus makes this statement that we will know the truth and the truth will, will set us free, what is that truth? How does it bring freedom? It's important to remember that in the passage that we're looking at this morning, uh, it's, it's in the middle of a bigger passage. Everything in John chapter eight and chapter nine is one event, it's one teaching of Jesus. And it started in the passage we looked at last week, starting in John eight twelve. And we saw that in that last week that, that that whole teaching was at the end of what was called the Feast of the Booths, or the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was this great Jewish feast where people celebrated and remembered God's provision for them while they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And the ultimate highlight of that feast was that at night, every night through that feast, they would come up and they, they had these giant candelabras in the, in the temple court of Jerusalem 
75 feet tall, filled with 10 gallons of oil, and they would go and they would light these candelabras up, and it would not only light up the whole temple, it would literally light up all of Jerusalem. And so this incredible pillar of fire, and what was it a reminder of? That God, through that time in the wilderness, provided for his people and, and directed his people as a pillar of fire, that he was the pillar of fire that guided them at night. And so now, here the last night of that festival, or the day after the last night, Jesus is standing at the very place where those candelabras were. He's standing right under them. Everybody is remembering that great highlight of the festival. And he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And clearly what he's saying is that I am the pillar of fire. I am the light that you celebrate. I am the one that directed and that provided. I am God. And not only I, it's not only I am what was, I am what we still need today. That I am the pillar that will direct and that provide and that will be with you for all who follow after me. And notice he doesn't say I am a light for the world. He says, I am the light of the world. You need to follow me because only if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. That is the only means by which you will have the light of life. What I want you to see now is that we look at this, is that what Jesus is teaching, here is now we come into verses 31 and 32, is something that is very, very similar. It's actually taking this promise of John 8, 12, And Jesus is, in a sense, repeating the same idea. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then in the same message, a few minutes later, he comes back and he restates it, but in different words. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The light is truth. The light is how we discover truth, and it is when we have the light, when we walk in the light, that's where we find freedom. And so let's look at this. Think about this. These two imageries, the relationship between light and truth. When Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth, he's describing the impact of what he had just said about the fact that I am the light of the world. And the reason is this. Light reveals truth. Light reveals what is true. Light allows us to see so that we see the reality of life. And why is it that Jesus is the light of the world? We saw last week that he taught that the reason that he's the light of the world is that he is God. He is the pillar, the fire. He is the creator. And he ties this back to his identity as as God, as our creator and our designer. And what he's saying is only in me, only in a relationship with me can you discover the life that you were designed for. As light, Jesus reveals what is true. Now, it may not always be pleasant truth, The fact is there are times that we turn on light and it reveals things we don't want to see. And that's true of Jesus Christ. He at times reveals things that we don't want to see, but it's always stuff that we need to see because it's true. And the more that we align our lives with that truth, the healthier that our lives will become. Now, it's because that's true, it leads to the second point. And that's the relationship between light and freedom. Again, in verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, now let me ask this. This is something we can relate to. Can you remember a time that you were caught in total darkness? We've all had that, you know, where we've been somewhere inside, outside, we're caught in total darkness. 
Now the question is, how much freedom did you have at that moment? Now in theory, you had all kinds of freedom. You could do whatever you wanted. But in reality, we're not free because what happens? You're total darkness, you're shuffling around. You're just shuffling and you know, you're, you're holding things out. You're hoping not to bump into things. You're hoping not to trip over things. And so the fact is, is that we are incredibly limited. We're tentative because, because we lack freedom. Or let's think about it this way. Are you free to go any direction you want? Well, yes, you can. You're totally free, but in reality, when we're caught in total darkness, we lack any sense of direction. So I can be totally confident that, okay, I need to go over here. I, need, you know, I have a destination, and I'm, I'm sure it's over this way, and I'm going here in total confidence in this direction, but in my freedom, I'm actually going the exact opposite direction of the destination I, where I want to be. And I don't know it because in darkness, I actually don't have the freedom to do the things that I want to do. And that's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying when he explains this and he says the impact of what it means to be the light of the world is, is that if you abide in my word and truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we walk in the light of Jesus by abiding in his word. When we, when we abide in his word, his word exposes the truth and the truth sets us free. It gives us the ability to see and understand ultimate reality. It, it teaches us what we were created for, the life that we were created to live, and it gives us the ability to live that life. Now, if having a relationship with Jesus allows us to know the truth, the truth sets us free. The first aspect of that truth that we need to know is that the truth is that we lack freedom. The fact is, is that pretty much everybody thinks that we're free, in our mind, we don't need the truth to set us free because we, we assume that we are. In fact, many people will argue that freedom is the ability to do whatever we desire to do. And therefore, they'll come back and they'll say, actually, following Christ means giving up our freedom. Because if I follow Christ, well, that means that I'm submitting my life to his lordship, his leadership, and his life. And as I surrender to him, I'm not gaining freedom, I'm giving up freedom. And so people will often argue that, you know, well, no, being a follower of Christ means surrendering freedom. You lose freedom. So does following Christ mean that we lose freedom or gain freedom? What is Jesus teaching here? In fact, that's exactly, again, as we saw a moment ago, the, the response of the people listening to Jesus in verse 33. You know, they say, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say I will become free? They're basically saying, you know, we don't need that. We're already free. And look at what Jesus says in verse 34. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't back down. He doubles down. He says, no, you're not free. Look at verse 34. He says, he says you know, your freedom is an illusion. You're like a, you know, they wouldn't have understood of a Truman Brubank or a Neo. You know, you're a person who lives in the illusion of freedom, but you're not. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He's saying, no, we're not free. We're actually slaves to sin. Now, that's offensive. And we say that, that's offensive to people who understand it. But it's the truth. It's what's real. I know that the light, you know, the, the, the fact is, is what we've got to realize, why do we say things that will seem effective? Because what, ha what we've got to realize is that the light exposes the truth. 
And part of the truth is it has to expose our need. If we don't understand our need, we will never understand the solution. If I don't understand that I am lost, I will never understand that I need to be found. If I don't understand that I'm enslaved, I will never look for Christ for freedom. In fact, Jesus talked about this in John chapter 3. He, he described himself as the light earlier in his ministry. And look at what he said in John chapter 3 about this. He said, this is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So the light that gives freedom, the light that allows you to understand how to live has come, but people love darkness. Why? Because the light exposes our works which are evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest its works should be exposed. That's part of our natural tendency. So then how are we not free? Are we not free? Well, let me try to explain this. A common myth about freedom is this. The myth is freedom is doing whatever you want to do. And the people will argue that. Well, that's free. And that's what most people believe about freedom. But the Bible is teaching here and it teaches elsewhere that, that that's a myth. That's wrong. The reality is that freedom is doing the things that you were meant to do, doing what you were designed to do. It's not just doing the things that you want to do, it's doing the things that you were meant to do. Only when you live the life that you were designed to live will you discover the joy and meaning that you long for, that you desire at the deepest core of our, your being. Again, look at what Jesus says in verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, here's what he's saying. Is that the problem is, is that we have, our, we sin and we're slaves because our sin is more than just an action. It's not just a bad action. It's actually an expression of our sinful nature, our sinful hearts. You know, I often say, my problem isn't that I do sinful things. My problem is I'm a sinful person. And because I'm a sinful person, I do sinful things as a, re as a natural expression of my character. Sin is a power that acts, you know, that makes ha the acts happen. You know, sin doesn't come out of nowhere. We're, we're slaves to sin. It's something that's at our root. I've got a root problem. You know, I've got a self, it's not a self-control problem. It's not something, well, I need self more self-control. I need to be able to say no, I need to. No, the self-control is just trying to hold back part of what is natural within me. My problem isn't more self-control. My problem is that I've got to change the things that I'm trying to say no to. I've got to change my character, my selfish acts, my angry responses, my impure thoughts. My, my sinful actions all expose the brokenness of my heart at the root. And I might want to blame it as a response to someone else, to some temptation, someone else's actions. But in reality, it all comes from me. In any circumstance, any temptation, all that it does is it, is it puts something before me that draws out the real me. It just lets down my defenses so the real me slips out. So slavery is a, so our slavery is a slavery to sin. It's a power inside of us. And again, there might be all kinds of freedom we have, but we don't have the freedom to free us from that. Now let, keep that in mind and let me try to explain it in a little different way. Because we have sin nature, again, we think that freedom is doing whatever we want to do, but because we have a sin nature, there's not a single thing that we want to do. The fact is, all of us have things warring in our heart that, that are different desires. 
See, there's more than one desire. It's pulling us different ways. We don't even know what our deepest desires are. Let me give you an example, practical example, okay? I want to lose weight. Okay, I know that if I lose some weight, that's going to be good for me. It's going to help my blood pressure. It's going to you know, have more energy. Uh, it's going to make me healthier. I'm going to look better. I really want to lose weight. That's a deep desire. But I also want to eat dessert. <laughs> I really, want, really love dessert, you know, and I love to snack, and I love to do things. That, and I have another desire that it weighs at war within my heart. And so you say, well, freedom is doing what you really want to do. Well, what do I want to do? Do I want to lose weight or do I want to have dessert? And the reality is, is that what, what is ultimate freedom? Freedom is doing the things that most align with my design. I've gained the most freedom when I do the things that actually make me healthier because that's my deepest desire. But what happens oftentimes is that these secondary desires, these momentary desires, I want dessert, they take precedent over the things that I want deepest in my soul. So I'm not actually free to do the things that I want to do. Okay, let's make it personal for you. Okay, let's, let's go this way. How many of you made some kind of New Year's resolution? I mean, a lot of us, we think about, you know, some of us say, well, I gave up on doing that because I've did it for so many years and I don't even try. I mean, we think about it at the beginning of the year and we think, okay, here's the thing that I want to do the most. Here's the thing that if I do it, it will make the biggest positive impact in my life. And so this is what I really want. Now, the thing is, is out of all the people that made a New Year's resolution, how many people have actually kept it? We're just halfway through the year. Anybody at halfway point? Anybody? You know, just, so one person, good, that's awesome. See, most of us break it within two weeks. And why is that? You look at it, is it, if you think about it, is that something you want to do? You made that resolution, you made that commitment. It was something that you really, really wanted to do. It's something that you believed would make the biggest impact. So why haven't you done it? What happened? Do you still believe it? Do you still think that, you know, that it will help you? Why is it that we fail to do the thing that we most want to do and we most believe is going to make the biggest impact? It's because what Jesus is teaching here in John chapter 8 is true. It's because the fact we're not really free. We're not free to do the things that we most want to do. The things that are deepest in our souls because we're, we're slaves to sin. In fact, let me take it a step further. Okay, let's stay on the physical illustration of our health and we understand the physical, but it's true spiritually. Again, freedom is doing what we're meant to do, what we're designed to do. So I think about eating. On the one hand, I could say, well, okay, if I'm free, I'm free to eat anything that I want to eat. Well, I can eat anything. I can just pick out anything or whatever I want to do. But on the other hand, well, if you tell me I'm supposed to eat healthy, that's restricting my freedom. It's telling me what I can eat. Okay, well, first of all, I'd say I agree my, my greater desire is to be healthy. That's the deeper desire of my soul. That's the thing that really matters. But beyond that, when I eat poorly, in the sense I'm exercising greater freedom in the short run, but in the long run, I lose freedom. In the long run, if I'm eating unhealthy, suddenly I become less healthy. I have less energy to go out and play with, with kids or grandkids. I have less energy to go out, you know, I'm, I'm having physical problems, so I can't do the things that I want to do. Ultimately, if I really eat unhealthy, I'm, I die. I lose the freedom of life. 
So who has more freedom, the person who says no or the person that says yes? The person that says yes to life by saying no to the temporary desires. And in the same way, that's what Jesus is saying spiritually. We say, well, I do this, I have more freedom. Yeah, it's, it's robbing you of your freedom. It's robbing you of the things that you value the most. And in reality, we're becoming more and more slaves to sin. See, the problem in this, there's a deception about what freedom is. And again, it comes out right in this passage as we've already seen. As Jesus taught, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And immediately they come back and they say, you know, we're offspring of David. You know, how can you say, or, or Abraham, how can you say, we're, you know, we will become free? They're saying, you know, we don't need freedom. We're, we're offended by the suggestion that you're making that we do, which is exactly what people say in our world today. That's the response that people still make. They don't like to hear this message. The fact is, everyone thinks that they're living their lives based on freedom. They think, everybody thinks that. See, there isn't anyone who thinks that they've chosen a path that's, that's a great deception, that's a great lie. No one thinks that they're, you know, well, now, now, now some people might realize that down the road, you know, they, but they always start by thinking, this is what's going to bring me happiness, fulfillment, I freely choose this because I believe its promises. You know, I've never had a discussion with someone who, you know, he said, well, how did you get down this path? And they said, well, I was looking for a great lie and deception, and I thought this would really be, it was a great lie, so I really wanted to destroy my life, so I, I went down the path that was the best lie. Nobody ever does that. Now, sometimes people will choose a belief or lifestyle that claims promises to be true, and then they realize that it isn't, and they become so addicted to that lifestyle, they can't get out of it. But the fact they always started down that path because they believed it. It's like a trap, you know, that you, you, know, you, you see the, the bait, and bait looks really good, and then we might get caught in the trap, and we can't get out of the trap once it's sprung, but I got into it because I believed the promise of the bait. Now this is a vital for us to understand in our own lives as well as interacting with people that we, you know, that we talk to. You know, even as we talk to different people and we share with them and talk, but you know, they may be totally opposed to Christ, totally opposed to the gospel, totally opposed to his word, and we, we might look at that and say, well, man, they just, you know, they, they are evil, they're sinful, they're, well, no, they're not. And we've got to understand that what is the problem? There's a deception here and that we're all deceived. The natural state is we're deceived. And out of that deception, we're then held captive to the one who is evil. Look what Paul says about this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, let the Lord's servant not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. So you see what they need? They need knowledge of truth. And why is it that we need knowledge of truth? Because that they may come to their senses and escape the snare from the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And so if you're here today and if you have nothing to do with Christ, if you're totally opposed to everything Christ has to say, I want you to realize that the message here isn't to condemn you. It isn't to beat you up. It's to say that, that the fact is, if you're living apart from Christ, yes, you're living apart from the light. Yes, you're living a lie. But it's a lie that doesn't make you a bad person, evil person. It's a lie that shows you that you've been lied to by the evil one, that you've been captured to do his will. And, and I'm telling you, 
Here's, here's Jesus Christ who came to bring freedom to the captives. Trust in Jesus Christ. Let him set you free. Believe in his truth. And his truth isn't always easy, but it's always good. Now, for those who still might be thinking that freedom is doing whatever you want, following Christ gives up means give up freedom. Let me explain it in a different way. As a follower of Christ, the fact is, I'm free to do anything I choose to do. If I choose this weekend, I could go out and get drunk. If I, if I chose, I could go out and have an affair. And my wife's in the second service, and she's going to be thinking, you can say, what? No, you're not free to do that. You know, <laughs> you are not free. And, well, let me clear, be clear on that. I'm not free to go out and have an affair without consequences. You see, the fact is, any sinful decision I make will always have consequences. So we're not free to do them without consequences, but we're free to do that and accept the consequences. So I'm free to go out and have an affair. In doing so, I choose the consequences. So if I want to destroy my marriage, if I want to destroy my reputation, if I want to destroy my relationship with my kids and have an affair, I can do that. I'm free to do that. I, I, can, I can have somebody do something that gets me angry, and I can lose my temper, and I can cuss them out. I'm free to do that. I can be verbally abusive to someone. I can, I can have the freedom to destroy someone's reputation by gossiping. I have the freedom to go out and be very unwise and, and do something stupid with money because I've given a material possession. I can do all those things. I have the freedom to do those things. And the fact is, is that there's times that part of me is tempted. There's part of me that wants to do all those things because I have different desires at war within me. But the fact is I know the truth because of my relationship with Christ. I know the truth taught by Jesus, the truth taught in his word that all these things are, are out of accord with what I'm designed for. They're sinful in the sense that they, they're not what I'm designed to do. They're out of, out of design of God's character. And so I have a desire to do those things, but I have even a greater desire for God's blessing to, to, to obey him. I have this greater desire to do the things that are not destructive to my life. Through a relationship in Jesus Christ, I know what is right, I know what is wrong, I know what is healthy. And he has, gives me not only the ability to know what's right, but also then the ability to choose what's right. The thing that I know at the core of my being is best for my soul. To say no to sin, yes, it means that I recognize that there's sin and it has promises and it's pleasurable for a moment, but I say no to that because I have the freedom to say no to that because I'm more drawn to things that will ultimately fulfill. See, the problem, again, isn't my behavior, it's who I am. And there might be some here today that again, if you don't have that walk with Christ and you just, man, I'm trying to do this, I try to, and the fact is you're struggling against certain things that you know are wrong, that you wanna change and you can't change them. You can't change them by yourself. The problem isn't what we do, it's who we are, that we're sinful, our, our sinful hearts. And so the answer isn't, more self-discipline, the answer is I need a relationship with Christ, I need to abide in him. God, I need you to change who I am. And what happens is the more I abide in him, the more he not only tells me what's right, but he begins to change my nature. So it's easier and easier to say yes to the right things and it's easier and easier to say no to the wrong things because he's changing me from the inside out. 
He come, invites us to come to him to embrace this truth and to embrace this truth and to discover the freedom that he invites us to. He says, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's this look like? You see, it's not just a matter of knowing. That's where we come, sometimes can miss this. You could look at it and say, well, I know the truth, so therefore I study it and I have certain knowledge. And, well, no, it, it's more than just knowledge. The focus is relationship. It's about a relationship with God. It's a freedom that comes from relationship with God. Look at again what we see in verses uh, 34. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So how do we escape the slavery? How do we get through it? Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. You know, part of what it's saying here is it's not being slave to rules. It's not obeying. It's not trying self-discipline. No, it's having a relationship as a son. It's having a relationship with God. And then he says, okay, now, if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. What a powerful statement. It's only in Christ, in a relationship with Christ, that we can discover true freedom. We can have a sense of freedom. We can think that we're free, but it's deception. Only in a relationship with Christ can we discover true freedom. Again, it isn't a problem of what we do, it's who we are. And so what do we need to do? We need to come to God and we say, God, I need you, I need you to forgive me. I need, I need a relationship with you. I want to make you Lord of my life because only then will you give me the freedom to do the things that I most want to do. But then will I understand freedom. And what happens is he changes us. It's not about changing our behavior. It's about changing our nature, our character. And how does he do that? Go back to verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. True freedom comes by submitting to God's truth, by abiding in his word. It's the same thing that he had said back in verse 12. In verse 12, what did he say? I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. It's not whoever sees the light. No, whoever follows me. And what does he say now here in verse 31 and 32? Whoever, whoever abides in my word, it's not just heard some knowledge, it's a lot more than knowledge. It's no, have you heard Jesus Christ? Have you heard him speak? Do you have a relationship with him? Are you abiding in his word? And, and what happens is, again, the more that you spend time in God's word, the more it begins to change you from the inside out. So first part of the problem is I don't know the truth and I'm walking in darkness because I'm blind. And so then it exposes the truth and and it's not only that he exposes the truth, but then the more that I do it, it starts to shape me to be more consistent with God's character so that I am an expression of that truth. So that it becomes something where, yes, I'm saying no to these temporary desires, but because I have this incredible drive to say yes to these, to these ultimate truths, these truths that will set me free. My friends, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you don't, he invites you to that today. There may be some who have that relationship, but as you've wandered away from him, the fact is, is that you've wandered away from abiding in his word. And the fact is, is you're thinking, okay, well, this is what the world says, and you have freedom, and you think that freedom is doing what you want. In reality, sometimes you look at it, and if you evaluate the decisions you've made, the decisions that you're doing what you want are destroying the things that you want the most. 
Are you willing to come to Christ? Are you willing to surrender every area of your life? Are you willing to take that thing that he knows you want, he wants you to surrender and say, God, I want to surrender. I want to obey you in this area. God, I want you to, to not only forgive me, I want you to change me. Because if you're willing to come to him and surrender to his lordship of your life, asking him to change you, submitting to his truth, abiding in him, he's going to change you from the inside out. And you're going to find that relationship isn't something that in any way restricts freedom. You're going to find in that relationship with God a discovery of freedom that you've never known before. That you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Thanks for joining us. If you have any questions about what we talked about, Jesus Christ, our church, or anything else, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or by email. We'd love to hear from you.